Welcome back to For New Eyes Only, the James Bond retrospective podcast where I'm watching the movies for the first time. With me, as always, the cue to my James Bond, Nathan Simmons. How are you doing, sir? Hi. Good, man. I, uh, I'm i feeling pretty good, feeling pretty energized. I'm recording six podcasts this weekend. And You're a podcast monster, man. I'm a, I'm a maniac, but I this was the one. Uh, don't tell anyone else that I'm the most looking forward to. I It's been behind the scenes. It's been a minute since we recorded and yeah. uh, together, and I'm, I'm just so, so happy to be here. Uh, sandwiched between Mr. Wendt and Mr. Kidd. If God had wanted man to fly, he would have given him wings. Mr. Kid. So there was a bit of a gap there between watching On Her Majesty's yeah. Secret Service and what we're talking about tonight. Diamonds are forever. Yes. And, and, and in that time, I, I've realized that I said a few things that were just fully inaccurate in the last episode. <laughs> uh, chief among them, I have since purchased the Blu-ray for Never Too Young to Die and realized that I said it stars Apollonia and not Vanity. Get out of here! It's gonna blow! Vanity. I just got... <laughs> I got my fucking prince protégés mixed up, and I can't believe I did that. <laughs> Man, forget it. Girl, I ain't got no home training. I was talking to the boys at Not A Bomb about it, and they're like, yeah, and Vanity's great in that. And I was like, she is, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I, uh, I I told you I'd actually picked up the Blu-ray for that after yeah, we yeah. talked about it, and I was like, he said Apollonia was in I this. I sure did. <laughs> it's yep. Vanity, but regardless, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I have watched a little bit you know, pulling clips from it. And mm -hmm. I've got to find some time to sit down and watch it. It looks it's, ridiculous. It's so fun. I will legitimately like date night style Skype you while you watch it. Like <laughs> I want to watch it with you. It's killing me. I'm female and male, man and woman. I'm better than you are. Well, this one, I, you know, I let you know a little while back that, you know, I watched Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. yeah. Didn't really comment much on that. I just let you know that I'd watched it. I, and um, yeah. some <laughs> I, think, I think your text was, huh, uh, just watched Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, that was a movie. I think yeah. that's what you said. And then today, <laughs> today you texted, and again, not to tip our hand too much, you texted me. You said you like this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's... There's some things to like in this one. Yeah, but totally. There's some things not to like too. So we'll mm. get into that moving forward. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, I, I I had made the prediction that Bond's gonna get revenge for mm -hmm. what happened in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Well, you sure would think so. Yeah, and that happens, but it's kind of like lack lackluster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this was this was tough to watch after on Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm -hmm. and if you're watching these movies in sequence. I can't see how you wouldn't be just underwhelmed with this movie because yeah. on her Majesty's secret service is so good. And that was, that's the last bond movie I had in my head mm -hmm. going into this one. It was, it was a little rough. The first watch. Well, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. This was one that I liked a lot as a kid right. um, because it was, it was goofy over the top. There's lots of, there's like eight different villains in it, every mm -hmm. a zillion different set pieces. And when you're a kid who's not really focused on plot so much as spectacle, uh, it, it works, it plays, you know? Uh, so True. this was a lot of fun for me. And it was it's still a lot of fun revisiting, but um, you're totally right. When taken within like the timeline of the James Bond series, such as it is, you can't help but wonder like, well, why... 
why isn't Tracy figuring more into this? Why doesn't, you know, why isn't there a big revenge story? Why is, why does Connery, why is Connery making so many jokes for someone who lost their mind at the end of the last one? <laughs> right. And we might as well just go ahead and get into it. But before yeah. we do, Nathan, why don't you try and give us the plot summary for Diamonds Are Forever in 007 seconds or less? I'll do my best. Ready? Ready. Three, two, one. After exacting revenge on Blofeld, Bond infiltrates an international diamond smuggling ring. 5.4 seconds. Not bad. I mean, that's about as much as you can do setting, like pitching the plot of a movie where you don't find out what the villain's plan is until the last 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> that, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's really the key to this here. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had We've had six movies so far that are, fucking plot driven like crazy yeah. and whether or not you have trouble following what's going on. Like I kind of had a little bit of trouble mm -hmm. with, with Goldfinger. Um, but like this one, this one starts super cheesy. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, you know, we talked about how, especially with like, you only live twice feels like a travelogue, right? Uh -huh. This one is very much that like, let's hang out in Las Vegas for a few days and see what we can get up to. And here's a set piece that we thought was funny, but like there's no logical reason for it to happen other than we need an action beat. Uh, right. And that's yeah, this one just kind of feels like and this is a this is a type of Bond movie that I think we will see a decent amount of um, going forward. Every every time the Bond series takes a huge risk, they then follow it up with a much safer bet right. that plays like what I like to call the greatest hits package. Mm -hmm. And this one feels like that up to and including bringing Sean Connery in, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll go ahead and talk about that. Um, Connery is back for this mm -hmm. one, which is funny. They they kind of they they masquerade him around a little bit at the beginning here. You don't get to see the face. You just, just want, barely. Yeah. yeah, like you you just hear someone looking for Ernst Stavro Brofeld, yeah. uh, Blofeld. And this this scene Mm -hmm. I get what they were going for. I really do. They wanted to give us some kind of closure for the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Sure. But what I'm starting to see with the Bond series is continuity is not their their biggest strong suit. Sure. Mm -hmm. Especially with characters and villains and all that sort of stuff. We talked about that a little bit in the Honor Majesty's Secret Service episode. Right. Mm -hmm. um, number one, you've got an actor coming back from another movie to play a villain in this one, which was... Right, Charles Gray as Blofeld. He would have been me in a matter of days if you've given the poor fellow a chance. I wanted to, like, tease this for you previously, but I, yeah, it's the weirdest choice, right? Like, when he came on screen, I was like, that dude was in... You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. Yeah. But he wasn't Blofeld. Like, no, he what? played Henderson, but he's playing he's playing Blofeld exactly the same way he plays Henderson. He, he might as well, at one point, turn to Bond and be like, I do everything the Japanese way. Like, it's so <laughs> strange. And, and that's not really even the weirdest part of his character no. in this movie. Um, but this, this introductory scene is just, okay, uh, he's getting revenge for what happened. He, he's, he's going after Blofeld. He's going to right the wrongs that happened at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yep. And the way that movie hits you in the heart, hits you in the feels, you feel bad for Bond at the end of it. You want to see him take the fight to them. I want to see him go after Blofeld, but I don't really think this was the way I, I wanted to see it. But it also, it feels like, 
they want to give that that sense of closure, but they also don't want to deal with the heaviness and the reality of the end of the last movie because Tracy's never mentioned. Um, you know, a little bit of background here. This movie, the first draft was written by Richard Maybaum, who wrote the previous film and was about Bond, specifically about Bond hunting down Blofeld and Irma Bunt with the help of Draco. Like Tracy's mm -hmm. dad was going to be a major character in the movie helping him with his connections. He's like, I want to see the man who killed my daughter dead. Right. And that was the plot. And like, that's what you want. After the end of that, when when Lazenby was going to return uh, for the for the last movie, uh, for, for this movie, that was that was the plan. We we're going to see him like continue on with this like bloody revenge obsessed uh, storyline. And uh, the producers weren't a fan. Harry Saltzman and, and Albert Broccoli were just like, ah, this is people really kind of, it's so funny because back in the day, secret service got very mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. And this movie was like seen as a return to form and got rave reviews. And in the 50 years since then, that's swapped around. People are very much like, yeah, we, we would have liked to see you continue in this kind of grounded fashion. Uh, Lazenby should have gotten another movie or whatever. And so that they were like, look, we got to we got to get back to formula. And so Richard Maybaum turns in another draft that's about Goldfinger's brother looking for revenge. And he's like a shipping magnet with a laser cannon hidden on a boat and would have led to like this big sea battle. And like, again, like we're already moving towards greatest hits, which would have been the plot for Die Hard 3, which we've already brought up was a rip yes. off of a Bond movie. Yes. Yeah. 100 <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, and <laughs> Jeremy Irons just travels back in time to play Goldfinger's brother. <laughs> um, but no, they would they, they would have gone so far as to be like, we know, we get it. You guys like Goldfinger. They would have cast Gert Frobe as yeah. Goldfinger's brother who's smarter and more evil. Like, apparently, according to Maybaum, there's a line in his script that said something like, like Goldfinger was like, oh, yes, my you've met my brother, Auric, who was a simpleton or something like that. <laughs> um, and as they're working on developing this script, Cubby Broccoli, this will tell you how fast and loose production on these Bond movies went. Cubby Broccoli has a nightmare about his buddy, Howard Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> he has a nightmare that he goes to visit Howard Hughes at like one of his hotels and he'd been replaced by an imposter. And so he was like, well, that's what the movie's got to be about. And we're going to shoot it in America. We're going to get all these tax breaks. We don't have to deal with unions. Like it was like all this stuff. Like we're and and uh, we can use Howard said, he'll just let us use all his hotels to shoot at. He'll help us shut down streets for stunts. And so they bring in Tom Mankiewicz to write a new script. And Tom Mankiewicz would go on to write Superman, the movie, a movie mm -hmm. that we've, we've talked about on, on this show a, a couple of times. And yeah. Um, and again, they're still kind of scrambling to make sure that this is the right fit. Um, I mentioned last month that Adam West had been approached for Honor Majesties, but it was actually for this movie and he turned it down. Uh, Michael Gambon turned it down, telling the producers that he was in terrible shape. Clint Eastwood was offered the role and turned it down. I saw that. And eventually they cast John Gavin. And lo and behold, Sean said, yes, he would come back. Of course, the producers already have an actor signed to play James Bond. If Sean had not come back, uh, John Gavin was going to uh, was going to play him. Gavin graciously departs from the picture, with Cubby Broccoli insisting that his contract be paid in full. 
He continues acting and from 1981 to 1986 serves as U.S. ambassador to Mexico. Sean Connery, meanwhile, negotiates a record sum for his return. They had given him, I guess, a deal he couldn't refuse. He got the unheard of sum of, I think, $1,200,000 for the film, which in 1970 was just extraordinary. Yeah, uh, a nice fat paycheck. More than, the, more than the budget of Dr. No, because up until um, You Only Live Twice, Bond, or, uh, Connery was get, still getting paid the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. for all of these movies which is bonkers yeah <laughs> he was getting paid the same amount to star in the biggest franchise in the world um so yeah they were like we'll pay you a million dollars we will uh we will finance three movies of your choice <laughs> that you would you know what i found interesting was they they signed him for a two-picture deal for right. this yeah and then like i would presume that would be two more bond movies but apparently mm-hmm. it was he really was just like, no, they knew I was only coming back for the one. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's, it's so really let's make weird this that... movie with Sidney LeMay instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the production, all of the behind the scenes making this movie were scrambled trying to figure yeah. out if George Lazenby had decided he was not going to come back. Yeah. Uh, he, he did not enjoy the process of making on her majesty's secret service. He didn't yeah. think he was a very good actor. Apparently and his agent convinced him that spy movies were passe. Yeah. So he wasn't coming back. That's right. looking back on that now, I'm I'm pretty disappointed in that. Sure. Um and that's that's really like when when we open up this movie mm-hmm. and you see you see Bond for the first time. He's aged. I mean, it's it's been almost 10 years at this point. Yeah. He's he's aged a little bit, so it's like when he walks on screen, I would imagine a lot of people were happy to see him back mm-hmm. in the role, but for me, after on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I was just like, oh, man, we're back to the same old shit again. But like, Connery also just like, you've never seen him care less about anything. Oh, he it's, is sleepwalking through this movie, dude. Yeah. Are you paying attention, 007? From the beginning. I mean, like, I don't want to I don't want to slag on him because look at me. But like, dude's not in <laughs> shape for this one. He's he's barely he's barely acting like yeah. he is fully just like, I mean, even the way he says my name is Bond. James Bond. It's just very, very tired. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're 30 seconds into this Connery movie and he's back to smacking around women and strangling them with their own bras. And like, <laughs> I have to say that made me laugh a little bit. It's but wild. Like they were just going for it. This opening yeah. sequence really just kind of sets the tone for what we're, what we're in store for. Sure. Because it's, it's, it's campy. It's goofy. And that's, um, that's the stuff I like in this. There are moments in this movie where I kept thinking this is like, this is inspired by Batman 66, right? I, like I could there, absolutely see that. Yeah. There are moments in here where I'm just like, golly, I wish this was Adam. I wish this was Adam West in a bat suit chasing down egghead, you know, Vincent Price. Like, we haven't one moment to lose. It probably would have been much more enjoyable watching Adam yeah. West do all of this other I mean, than Sean Connery. Jill St. John right there. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, you know, and, and I'm, I'm with you. Like when they do the camp in this, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm loving what I feel like they understand. They know what they're doing with the campiness yes. in this. Yeah. It's just this movie's plot is a slog. And well, it, it every single section of the plot has four extra layers that are unnecessary. Oh, you yeah. can't like, we can't just have an idea. Like 
Like even the beginning of the movie, we're seeing Q or not Q, we're seeing M telling Bond about this diamond ring and we're seeing all of the various stages of the diamond cartel. And like, we can't just have Bond smuggling diamonds in. He has to fake someone else's death, put diamonds inside them, take them to a funeral parlor, burn them out of them. Like, <laughs> what are and, we doing? And the entire time I'm just going, what's the fucking point of these diamonds other than the fact that they're being smuggled? Like, yeah, I was getting frustrated. It's not. It, the movie. And it honestly doesn't really pay off because, I mean, in speaking of Batman 66, we learned that they are powering a laser. Right. <laughs> I mean, we might as well. It might as well be Mr. Freeze's freeze gun. What gun? the dinosaurs yeah, we also start with like some of the worst adr uh, of the whole series when he puts that guy up against the wall and he the guy's mouth is open and he goes cairo yeah <laughs> like obvious adr there i do like and this is why i say this is why i say you're you're getting what this movie's about in the beginning uh -huh. because the guy at the table's playing 21 and he goes hit me and then <laughs> James Bond hits him. Like, that's good. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's what they're setting you up for in this. Like those are the jokes we're gonna get. Mm -hmm. Bond's one-liners are gonna be just as cheesy as this. Um, I did happen to notice that when he grabs the girl's bikini and starts to strangle her, you get a little mm -hmm. bit of a nip slip there in a PG yeah, movie, which you would not catch. Uh, before this was in HD. I mean, it's really strange. Even when O'Toole is at the bottom of the pool, like mm -hmm. you can see through her clothing. It's not, you know, HD definitely lets you see the things they did not want you to see. In these we'll, movies. we'll get to plenty of O'Toole because like, we'll talk about a character that's literally only introduced to be murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. We learned that Blofeld has been uh, having uh, doubles given plastic surgery to look just like him and <laughs> and i'm just like this is this is a weird bit because wouldn't it make more sense for the opening to be bond taking someone out and then he learns way later that it's a plastic surgery thing instead like you're giving us the out right away well i was watching it going okay they could do one of two things here from someone mm -hmm. watching this for the first time yeah either either he's gonna kill blofeld at the beginning and it's going to be completely just like nothing that, that I want out of this movie. Right. It's going to be lackluster as hell, or this is going to come back into play later. With it being a Bond sure. movie, I should have known it's going to come back into play later. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And I, the, I, the end it, of this it, movie kind of leaves things in the, up in the air, too. So moving forward mm -hmm. from here, I'm still kind of questioning where they're going to go with this, too. But that's another episode. Oh, for sure. Um, um I love the opening titles of this movie. I think they are. I think this is one of the best opening title sequences. Uh, I don't know. I think I was so taken aback just by yeah. the way the movie starts that uh -huh. I did notice that Shirley Bassey's back, giving us our, yeah. our theme this time. Diamonds are forever. For my money, this is a better song than Goldfinger. Like this is this is the best Bassey theme. No shade, hear... to, no shade to Moonraker coming up in a few movies. <laughs> but when you hear, you know, diamonds are forever, forever, I was like, holy shit, she's back. Like, I didn't even like, yeah. didn't even need to know the credit that she was back. I was like, that's Shirley Bassey from Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just Dame Dame Bassey just crushing it. I mean, it's a it's a very like kind of subdued opening titles. You know, we're used to like lots of ladies dancing and mm -hmm. and big, you know, guns going off. And this one's just a lot of like lingering shots of diamonds and emeralds and zoom ins on, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's really I think it's kind of classy. I think it's really cool. 
Um, and a lot of it is carried just by how damn good that song is. Yeah, the song definitely helped me through it. Um, I, I it just, <laughs> I don't have a problem with the opening sequence. It's just I have seen them do better opening sequences sure. already. So, uh, but yeah, the song, the song gets me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, you know, at the end of that opening sequence, he, we see him apparently dump Blofeld in lava or mud, <laughs> mud or superheated mud. Yeah. Welcome to hell, Blofeld. I don't even know what the point of the green mud and putting someone like were they trying to cast him like i'm confused as to what's going I think on that, here. yeah the plan was to make casts of his face i think that's okay. what it was because you see off to the side they've got like all these like prosthetics and stuff um and apparently the the green mud was potatoes and um something else to color it i don't remember what it yeah. was they used to color it but they said that they didn't realize using something like that that the smell would be so bad Mm-hmm. And the poor guy having to be in it, like <laughs> for like a full day and a half. Yeah. yeah, they said the set was just so rank from Ugh. these potatoes, and like I, I love hearing stories about that, especially like with I don't remember what particular movie it was, but like mm-hmm. they'll use barbecue for like blood and guts and stuff. And oh, Texas Chainsaw. They, yeah, they were like sitting in that farmhouse with rotting meat for like four days, and it smelled really bad. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't have extra uh, costumes, so everybody was wearing the same sweat drenched clothes yep. all the time. There's like, that story about Bruce Campbell uh, finishing like he would like sleep in his costume so uh-huh. that they wouldn't have to keep reapplying the caro syrup and stuff like on his on his. And then finally, he said one night I was like I got to take a shower, and I reached up to unbutton my shirt. And it just tore in half. Like he's like the whole thing just like <laughs> fell into shreds. <laughs> I can like that's part of making movies. Like I'm starting to really mm-hmm. like watching so much behind the scenes editing now. Like I do. Like I yeah, watch yeah. movies completely different. I think about what like I think about what was going on on set. Totally and, and shit like that now. And just yeah, like I I've heard so many bad stories about things that just started to like rot and smell on set that I'm like, <laughs> yeah better you than me guys <laughs> totally but um, yeah i mean i i do like the idea that they had for go uh, the original script for this where goldfinger's yeah. brother would have come in mm-hmm. i found that pretty interesting um but and you said that this one was like a return to form for a lot of people. Yeah. So it, it makes me think that Honor Majesty's Secret Service was kind of the Halloween ends of uh, the Bond series <laughs> in 1971. Yeah, sure. Uh, people were happy to see their man back on screen where I don't a lot know. of people I feel were like, pissed. Uh, I feel like die, die, die Another Day is the Halloween ends of Bond movies <laughs> because they spend half the movie trying to set up Halle Berry as a new leading character. <laughs> Yeah, Jinx is really the Corey Cunningham of the Bond franchise. Um, <laughs> no, I I love. Um, yeah, it's so strange because they they really do try to go uh, from the beginning. They're like, okay, we're we're going back to formula. Back to formula. They take M. Like we start with an M scene. Uh, M kind of berating him and very much sort of like, okay, Blofeld's dead now. So can you just be normal going mm-hmm. forward? <laughs> My note here is M seems more fed up with Bond shit than ever right ever. now. <laughs> yeah. Refreshing to hear there's one subject you're not an expert on. Which is another thing where it's like, okay, we're definitely sweeping Tracy under the rug here because if M knew, if M was any kind of human being, he'd acknowledge that like 
okay, you've gotten revenge for the murder of your wife. Bond's being a know-it-all. He knows everything about the Sherry because I, I think it's because he's a Highlander and he's just like, <laughs> like, he very much does like the, uh, you know, bottled in 1875. <laughs> oh, my note to that was just to take a play out of your book. I was like, Bond's a fucking scamp in this movie, man. Like He really just... is. He can't stop. And it's it's constant throughout this entire movie. He's, he's always like, got a joke. He's I'm always the smartest gotta, guy yeah. in the room. I'm going to tell you a little quip about everything that's happening. But can we you get... imagine if this was how Blofeld died? Like if that's how that's the last time we saw him. Like how disappointing would that be? I mean, we'll get to the end of this movie eventually, too. But yeah, like I was just thinking, I was like, if this is really how they're going to end Blofeld. This is just so like not what I want. It was <laughs> right. it was it was like Jamie and in in and Cersei Lannister all over again. I was like that <laughs> sure. motherfucker deserved way worse than that. Yep. Y- you know. And uh but no, I mean they instantly, you know, we have this little opening with Bond getting his revenge and then we're on to the plot of this movie and it yeah. just it's so jarring. It's it, it just kind of gave me whiplash. And we're just sitting in like a study with three guys talking about the diamond trade. It's making it's it, this is another bit of camp, I think, because he's he's talking about how you know, everything's up to code. We make sure no one's stealing. Everyone's taken care of. And we're cutting to, you know, these workers in the mines, like stealing diamonds, putting diamonds selling, in their mouth, selling them to the dentist. And, and yeah, and and this leads us into the introduction of my favorite characters in this movie. I'm Mr. Wind. This is Mr. Kid. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Bruce Glover, uh, the father of Crispin Glover as Mr. Wind. And uh, Mr. Kid is played by Putter Smith, a jazz musician. Well, I worked with Burt Backrack. I've recorded with Sonny and Cher. I, I uh, did the Phil Spector records and uh, uh, the Righteous Brothers, uh, Lost That Love and Feeling. I'm on that. And, uh, uh, but that really wasn't my main thing. Our main thing was jazz. Not an actor. It shows in his performance. Mm-hmm. But I <laughs> I think he's so interesting. Like he, uh, I was listening to this podcast. Um, Matt Gorley used to do a podcast called I Was There Too, where he talks yeah. about, uh, where he talks with each of the you know people who were in small roles or small scenes in big movies. And he had a whole episode with Putter Smith where Putter Smith said like, I was playing with Thelonious Monk at the time. I was, you know, he was a jazz uh, a bass guitarist. Like he played, mm-hmm. he played bass in, in in that band. I worked with Thelonious Monk. One night, Guy Hamilton came into uh, Shelley's manhole in uh, L.A. And Guy, who was a jazz fan, uh, seen Thelonious Monk. There was Potter playing, and went, "That's one of the guys." Randomly, were like, "I think you should come read for this part." And he d- was thought it was a joke the whole time because his. His, he said my wife was an actor. She was auditioning a bunch. And then I literally play a show and these guys are like, hey, you want to be in a James Bond movie? <laughs> um, and and again, it's that kind of thing where like there's something very sweet, but also sinister about him at the same time that I just I find so fascinating. But and, you know, they're they're a major factor that plays into me thinking this movie is very camp and cheese. Sure. Um, but their performances are endearing to that for me. Like, yes, I, I don't dislike them in this movie. I just kind of, it's, it's, it's the way that the tone is just so yeah. off in all this over the movie. place. Yeah. And, um, and there's, and, and, there's times when I'm laughing, when I feel like I shouldn't be laughing and, right. and the one liners are just like, some of them work and some of them don't yeah. even, even some of the ones that Mr. Went and Mr. Kit have, like I I'm laughing at them, but I'm like, 
God, did we really need to write that joke in here? Like, right. Sometimes it's a little off kilter and that's, but well, and the I, thing love about, per- I love their performances though. Yes. Like, yeah, even I though, agree. even though basically both of them weren't actors, like, well, I Bruce think Glover they... definitely was like, that's the interesting thing is that they cast this guy who's like a very self-serious actor with a dude who's never acted before in his life. Yeah. And, and somehow they, they, they kind of work off each other really well. Yeah. Um, uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of debate also about whether these are caricatures or they're meant to be. I mean, they are the first, I mean, aside, I guess, from Pussy Galore, they're the first like openly queer characters in a Bond movie. Yeah. And they're straight up, you know, sociopaths and murderers. Right. Um, but I, I think the thing that helps uh, in their depiction is that they are depicted as a truly loving couple. Like they genuinely like that first moment after they kill the dentist with the uh, with the scorpion, they hold hands and like run off to get like they're so happy to be together. And like, can you imagine I'm going to be a henchman and I find the henchman that I like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And I, I like, I, whenever I watch these characters, they are villains, but I'm always just like, good for them. They found each other. This sounds like a stage play we should put together. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, found, I found love and murder. Right. <laughs> I, oh man, I love it. Like they, they, they kill this guy with a scorpion. They blow up a helicopter. Um, he was, he was bitten by the bug. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he was bitten by the bug. Uh, that's that's all of all of his all of his deliveries are like that. It's so good. I, um, I just I love all their just complete monotone delivery to each other. Absolutely. It, yeah. It, it, it's you know I find them more threatening in this movie than uh-huh. Blofeld. Honestly. Oh, totally. I there's there's moments where Bruce Glover will like just give like a cold stare that is so scary. And there's also (laughs) something very funny about Mr. Kid's like empty smile. Yeah. And then then you'll see them like at the fucking gravestones, just sitting there playing with the flower. Yeah. It's so goofy. I love when Mr. Kid goes, Miss Case seems quite attractive. And (laughs) Mr. Went goes, he just looks over <laughs> for a woman. For a lady. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, I love these characters. And like they were like the main reason I was looking forward to revisiting this movie. Um, but we 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 learned that like Emma, like there, there are there are fears that the diamond market is going to be ruined by these thefts and these killings and um Well, they dropped the line. It's like it's funny how everyone who seems to touch these diamonds ends up dead. Right. And, and Bond, Bond is just like, okay, so who? So I basically have to find this guy, Peter Franks, this professional smuggler. And he says, "Do we know who his contacts are?" And M just looks at him and goes, "We do function in your absence, 007. That's when I wrote the note that M's just fucking over him. Like it's so good. Yeah, M's got real <laughs> Q energy in this scene. Bernard Lee looks. He's looking pretty old in this. Look, one. he's pretty tired. Yeah. And, and there's the whole thing about his liver giving out and whatnot, where Bond's being oh. a scamp about the sherry. Right, right. That's right. I forgot about um, that. But that's the other thing that I found a little jarring about this one is this one primarily is taking place in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we don't get our traditional in the in the office scene where he yeah. throws the hat with Money Penny and all that. The the one scene with Money Penny was part of like a last minute shoot. Yeah, and it's like. Uh, you know, she, and, and you're so used to seeing her in the office and then mm-hmm. having their little flirts with each other. To and the they point have where we saw here, her, but... 
we saw her flirt with him in a submarine office, like just to get the office scene one time. <laughs> right. But I mean, I, I found it kind of fun that they kind of put her in the field for a second. But yeah, to give him his fake papers as, as Peter Franks. And but, it's an interesting moment. And apparently Lois Maxwell's agent had been holding out for a better deal because they were uh, like, she has to like stop everything she's doing and kind of wait around for several days for these, you know, short scenes. Right. And people love money, Penny, at this point. Like, let's pay her a little bit more. And basically it got down to the wire where they were going to just recast Money Penny or, or write out or, or cut the scene. And they were like, no, 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 she'll do it. She'll do it. But she had already dyed her hair black for another movie. Okay. And so that's why she also shows up wearing a hat. Yeah. And it's like this whole thing. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. It's also a bummer that this is the last scene between Lois Maxwell and Sean Connery's Bond. Oh, you break my heart. I was actually going to ask you, because I'm curious, you know, moving forward, how how many, you know, um, stars end up in the same character roles moving forward when we yeah. get into Roger we'll, Moore. We'll, we'll have, she'll be around for a little bit, but the, uh, but the, like, the fact that, like, this is the last time she shares the screen with Connery uh, yeah. is is kind of a bummer. And it's funny, watching the behind the scenes where they're they're talking about this being Connery's last official yeah. Bond movie. Um, <laughs> right. All the all the Bond girls, all all of the uh, actresses that played Bond girls, they had all these good things to say about Connery. We've... He's a fabulous person and a marvelous actor. Handsome, kind, charming, with these big magnetic eyes that had a bit of irony to them. The first and the best, I think. He's a the sexiest thing on two legs. B he looks terrific. C, he's got such a wicked twinkle. D, he's a very good actor. And he's very virile. He's a very good pal to have as your leading man, you know. It, to be his co-star is to feel almost protected. And Sean was just wonderful. He was James Bond to me. Putter Smith said that he's like a total, he was a total sweetheart during the shooting of this movie too, which is yeah. like kind of surprising when you consider that he didn't want to be there. Right. And you know, it's, I don't know, man, like the feel of this movie again, coming mm -hmm. off on her Majesty's secret service. I'm just like, I'm usually getting sucked into the plot as we're moving forward. Yeah. But when we get into the, all the talk about the diamonds, I'm just kind of like, let's, let's move it forward. Let's, let's keep it moving out. here. Like, yeah, like there really wasn't a whole lot selling me uh, moving into this. Do you think you would have liked this more if you had seen it out of sequence? Like if you didn't have, if it wasn't like on the heels of secret service. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I don't know because you know, I've, I've mentioned to you before, whenever we do these episodes and I go back and do the edits on them, I kind of see things I didn't see before. And yeah. then I'll realize like, I would with our Dr. No episode. Like I didn't really, I didn't respond to Dr. No all that well. Right. In the edit, I was like, this movie's actually pretty freaking good. And that guy's good. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you're, like, you, you like Joseph Wiseman's performance more when you were like rewatching it for the edit. I'm yeah. I'm just rewatching it. And I'm like, okay, that, that dude's putting it on. Like I, I like yeah. this. So I'm curious once I start editing this episode, how I'll feel about this movie, even though right now right. I'm not really on this side of this movie. Well, um, I gotta ask how you feel about Jill St. John as Tiffany Case. Weren't you a blonde when I came in? Could be. Because I fucking love her. <laughs> I've professed my love for Dame Diana Rigg. Sure. From from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. At this yeah. point, I would definitely say she's my favorite Bond girl. Yeah. 
I like her, but she's a little lackluster for me. Like she genuinely is just there for kind of, well, not really comic relief because I don't find comedy in her performance, but it seems like the things she's doing in the movie are just making me go, what the fuck? Like, what is she doing here? Like she obviously, she's just like a pawn in the game of this, this diamond smuggling heist thing that I'm just like, she does not know what she's doing. She's in over her head. She's and, a little more involved in the novel, but in the movie, she's definitely much more of a middleman and is like being lied to on every side. Which, and again, is very kind of off-putting because when you're introduced to her, yeah, she she's seems got like, like she really has it together. She's got different costumes. She's got yeah. like a high-tech fingerprinting machine in her closet. Uh, she... But I, I think the key to Jill St. John, and this is the case in everything I've seen her in, she, I've loved her since I was a kid because she's in the very first episode of Batman 66. You shake a pretty mean cake, Batman. As the Riddler's like henchwoman who tragically dies in the Batcave. Like she falls into like the nuclear pile or the atomic pile in the Batcave. <laughs> um, but like she, her delivery her deliveries like this and yeah. it's very fun it's very fun for me um and i i just i don't know there's there's something uh, just the way she says her lines is camp to me like keep leading on that tutor charlie and you're gonna get a shot in the mouth you know, like that, <laughs> yeah. that scene later on in the movie is so good um but no she you're right she's she seems totally in control when she first starts the movie and by the end of it she's sort of just like flopping around making mistakes and i mean i i do love this little bit where he asks her like weren't you a blonde when i came in <laughs> and then she ends up being a redhead he he's like you don't he, mind do you and he goes he no he offends her as a redhead and she's this is my natural hair <laughs> yeah she's like do you do, you don't mind do you and he goes no providing the collars and cuffs match which yeah. is like an insane line of dialogue <laughs> Um, but but her introduction, I'm I'm almost thinking they're introducing us to another pussy galore, or even an or even Volpe another or something. Yeah, yeah, like someone who's gonna be like in it and yeah. knows what's going on. I and, mean, she does. She she has she does all like multiple power moves, right? She comes back out in lingerie and a robe, tells him, "I don't dress for the hired help." Yeah. I love these, and you know me, I love these scenes where like she's dusting for Prince to see who he is. He's smelling the powder on the glass. Like they're both sizing each other up. And then she kind of loses this guile as the movie goes along. And it's really bad when, when after, you know, we find out that Bond has taken out Frank so he can uh, imitate him and get in on this whole diamond smuggling thing. Uh -huh. And then we find out Frank's has actually woken up from whatever Bond did to him and is on his way to meet her. Mm -hmm. And then you get this fight scene in the elevator. And this is where the degradation of her character starts for me. Like we get this terribly choreographed fight scene. Like, yeah, I am missing the fight choreography from on her Majesty's secret service so much yeah. here. And like, you're you just, you know, Connery is just jostling around. And I don't know, like even it's not even so much Connery. Like I feel like, Bond is even off of his game in this movie. And I'm confused by the geography of this fight, right? Like yeah. she's looking in from like upstairs, then suddenly she's downstairs and next to him. It's it's really weird. Um leading into that fight though, we do <laughs> I mean, you're right. Bond's like very weirdly off his game. Like he's calling Q 
to find out, you know, what's, you know, what the plan is. Q is hanging out with a bunch of missiles in the background. I and love Q... that you can see him doing modifications to the car in the back <laughs> yes. and everything. Like that shit, like that's what I love in this is all the background stuff you can yes. find. And, and Q very casually is just like, oh, yes, Frank's escaped and killed a guard. You didn't hear about this. And Bond, in order to like sneak back in, first does a really silly bit where he pretends to make out with himself. <laughs> and then and then he pretends to be German. Terrible uh, accent. Uh, accidentally breaks the glass, which like tips off that he's about to be in the fight. Um, but the thing that's the most confusing about this to me, Tiffany finds the Bond plants his wallet on the corpse and she pulls out his ID and she goes, you just killed James Bond. Okay, if she like that was that's my thing. Like if she's so integrated in what's going on here and mm. she knows who James Bond is, is that who it was? She should know that that's not James. Like I don't know. Like something about that really hit me the wrong way. Sure, that's my question too. Is it? Does she know he's James? Does she know who James Bond is because she's part? She's adjacent to the criminal underworld, or is James Bond a celebrity now? Because like he also has a Playboy Club the Playboy card. card. <laughs> Which I think was just the filmmakers going, this dude's so sex that he has the Playboy card. Can you guys believe it? James Bond. Um, with with yeah, those it's, eyebrows? It's, His fucking so eyebrows are... He, this is, I, it's so funny. It actually warranted a bit on IMDb trivia where it was like, this is the first film where Connery didn't trim his eyebrows. And I was like, what? Don't, you're not going to do them like that. Yeah, but they, they're like, okay okay, well, like, we have a new plan. We're going to put the diamonds inside this body. I'm going to pretend to be his brother. Um, we're going to take it to Slumber, Inc., which is this funeral parlor that's also fencing the diamonds. This is where we meet our latest Felix Leiter. Well, 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 Felix Leiter, you old fraud. <laughs> One after the other. Let's just keep Norman them Burton. Uh, I had fully forgotten that Felix, I, this is, it's so weird. I've seen this movie several times and I fully forgot Felix Leiter is a character in this movie. Well, it's not even just that. Like we know mm -hmm. Felix Leiter is a character in the Bond universe, mm -hmm. but it's so funny that every time Felix is around, we have to have Bond go, Oh, Felix, Felix, Felix you. you old <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, yeah. Um, Alimentary, my dear Mr. Leiter. Uh, terrible digestive joke of saying that the diamonds are in the stomach. Um, we also meet uh, these gangsters that work for Slumber Inc., one of whom is played by Sid motherfucking Haig. Young S Sid Haig, man. Yeah. Like, I, I had to take a double take there. I was mm -hmm. like, well, that's him? Like, yeah, isn't that wild? Like, he's kind of he's kind of handsome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's got Sinatra vibes. He's I think he has one line in the movie too. It's like, what does he I say? He a, goes, I, I had, had a brother. <laughs> Small world, isn't that's it? My, that's my favorite, <laughs> maybe my favorite line in the movie. I had a brother. Um, but uh yeah, I mean we we get taken to this uh we get taken to the funeral parlor. I like the production design here, the upside down stained glass diamond. I was um, wondering, I was wondering like I don't know, like I know that you have seen these movies quite a bit mm -hmm. and I, I've started looking at set design on things like that and the yeah. stuff people will put in to kind of play into the theme of the movie. Right. And and that was the first thing that hit me in the in the funeral home. I was like, "Ah, that was a nice little touch with the diamond there." Yeah. This one doesn't have so much of the like really lavish production design I like cuz I feel like most of the time we're just in 
Vegas yeah. or we're yeah. on an oil rig, you know. And and a lot uh, of the stuff they shot, I believe, was actual houses in mm-hmm. in, in, in like in California and whatnot. They so, shot like uh the mansion they go to later to rescue Willard White is was Kirk Douglas's house. Yeah. That's where he and fights I, Thumper and Bambi. <laughs> and apparently I, I saw this in the behind the scenes, that rock yeah. that Thumper's sitting on when he comes in, they mm-hmm. had to build the house around that rock. Oh, weird. Okay. Like, they didn't move. Like, they, like, that's a very unique, like, um, architectured house. Huh. Um, yeah. And so, like, they saw it. The production team saw it and they're like, oh, we definitely well, we need get, to film We got to use here. that. We got to, we got to have that rock in the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> how these are shot. But the, the funerals, the funeral parlor scene is, is cool. Yeah. But again, like, there's some things that happen at the end of this sequence mm-hmm. that I'm like, how does that logistically make sense? Um, notably, like, you know, we've got, we've got Mr. Kit and, uh, Mr. Mr. Went, Mr. Went and Mr. Kit are on the scene yeah. as all of this is going down. I, I kind of like that. It's very secretive about the cremation and the mm-hmm. urn and the diamonds being in there. That's all fun. Yeah. Um, and you got to go to this specific, uh, <laughs> tomb to get your payout the way he describes that too is just seems so hokey yeah but I, I bond bond seems lost too like when he's in there he's just trying to follow along and then he gets he bond gets knocked out like four times in this movie by people who should not be able to get the drop on him it's mm-hmm. it's it's a little sad also it, of note, the fi- the reportedly the very last scene that Connery filmed for this movie, his last scene in an official James Bond movie is him being loaded into a coffin, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of appropriate, I think. Fitting. But, you know, Mr. Kit and Mr. Wint uh, put him in a coffin and start up the cremation machine. Yeah. And and some super operatic music, which I'm like, who who's going to come here and choose this? But what what I have a problem with is they get him in there and the fire starts and then he's fully burning like the, the coffin is on fire. Yeah. And, and then, then Shady Tree just opens it up. He's like, hey, you dirty double crossing limey Finkos, goddamn diamonds are phonies. <laughs> Where are the real diamonds? Where are the real diamonds at? <laughs> we had Shady Tree. What a character. I got to get back to the casino so I can do my comedy act. Where are them real diamonds at? No, I, I just have a big problem with that. It's like the, the yeah. continuity again. Like this fucking coffin was just burning. There are no, there's not even any like, uh, scorch marks on the coffin when he gets out of it. No, yeah, it's. I mean, the craftsmanship is unbelievable. <laughs> and we'll get to another one later that happens that I'm like, what was the point of doing all of this? Yeah, but just to have a, a quick scare, I guess. Yeah, but anyway, like I don't know. Like this is where I'm at with this movie. Yeah, it's, it's just like okay, like let again. I know the diamonds are involved somehow. Yeah, but let's 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 get let's get to it already. Yeah, um, unfortunately, unfortunately we can't because <laughs> yeah. now, now it's time to go to the White House, the casino hotel where Shady Tree is a stand-up comic, and uh, he's, and again this is another like weird little detour because we see Tree do the worst stand-up routine I've ever seen in my life, and Awful. then, <laughs> and then he's murdered off-screen by Mister Went and Mister Kid because they're wrapping up all the loose ends in the in the smuggling ring. That's most annoying. I have a question about Mr. Kid and Mr. Mr. Went. Yeah. You know, we Do, never we yeah. never see them affiliated or talking to or anything. They never share the screen with Blofeld. With Blofeld. 
Right. But we're meant to understand that they're, they're his, his main henchmen. henchmen. Yeah. I, I just find that so weird. We've always seen so the bizarre. henchmen interacting with Blofeld. Yeah. And this and is Hans. In <laughs> this movie, it's just these these lone two guys are yeah. are doing what they're doing and like I'm just supposed to assume that they're We're supposed to for infer Blofeld. that they're attached to the operation. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 like I almost feel like this movie would have been better had you just made Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid the villains. Yeah. Like they're yes. involved in this diamond thi- diamond thing somehow and they're the reason all this is going on like they're I, trying to I, cut out all the middlemen so they can escape with the diamonds. That's a right. better movie. Makes a better movie. Like hit, the idea of doing this thing where he's looking for like the big boss, but it's just these two henchmen who've decided to go rogue. That's yeah. a brilliant idea for a movie. And the fact that it would have been these particular two henchmen, yes. like these two goofballs yeah. who are spouting one-liners to each other or in love with each other. Like the anti-James so, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it's so unlikely of a villain for James yeah. to have, but if they can, and get the drop on him which they do more than once in this yes. movie it's like it's way more impactful and way more interesting than blowfeld again and there's so much more entertaining <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. like part of me is like okay why didn't you just kill blowfeld in the beginning but i wouldn't have been happy with the way you took him out then right so like i just again like this movie shoehorning blowfeld in after what happened in on her majesty's right just feels wrong it just feels out of place. It does. Um, it also feels out of place that we have an extended sequence where Bond plays craps and Plenty O'Toole <laughs> is uh, just trying to hang out with whoever's winning. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. It's, it's, it's funny and degrading to her character when she's with the one guy, yep. walks away, she hears money, and uh, uh, goes right over to Bond. And um, I gotta, I gotta give a little shout out to my Silver Linings co-host. Dustin goes to Hollywood. Plenty O'Toole <laughs> is his favorite Bond girl of the series. You're a terrific guy. A little weird, but a terrific guy. Say- Look, she's gorgeous, but man, there's no character here. No, there's nothing. She's. It, it makes for a shocking reveal to Tiffany later mm-hmm. that yeah, she's it, in I the mean, movie. She's. But- Plenty exists to motivate Tiffany to be on James's side once yeah. everything kind of comes out. But like, I don't know. We do get this really great bit, though, where the, the guys chuck her out of the window. Exceptionally fine shot. I didn't know it was a pool down there. That one made me laugh. Uh-huh. Uh, and apparently, like, they shot that at a hotel. I started thinking about the fact that I was going to be jumping into a pool basically nude and uh, then everybody was running around saying oh you don't have to be worried because we're going to be shooting this in the middle of the night who will be up then and i thought yeah that's right i mean who's going to be up it's las vegas the whole world is up in the middle of the night and they're all gathered around the windows looking at the pool area and it's also it's also a it's it's weirdly upsetting the way she dies, considering her sister uh, was Natalie Wood, who died of drowning, you know, mm-hmm. like like very famously. And I mean, it's 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 kind of haunting to watch that shot where they find her later in the movie. Yeah. And apparently this was also she took on water uh, while they were filming it. Like there were there were a couple of bits where she got really scared. I'd heard. I mean, they actually had her tied to uh, a thing a at the bottom block. of the pool. Yeah. 
and they had a contraption that would lift her head up uh, so she could get air because yes. apparently, like, she just had to stay in the pool while they were shooting. Mm-hmm. But there was an incline in the pool, and apparently the rock just kept sliding down. So she oh, started yeah. to take on yeah, water. Yeah, so, like, over the course of an hour, she st- slowly started to, like, yeah. Yeah. But they were able to get her out really quickly. But it's, yeah, that's so scary. Like, yeah. bolt that shit down. Right. Um, Again, stuff that happens on movie sets that I'm just like, ooh, like yeah, making mo- making movies is is serious business. Sometimes. Scary shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's a here's a power move. Tiffany, like all the boys, the Slumber Inc. boys back out when they see Tiffany Case. Uh, no, well, no, I'm still curious about why that is. That's what I'm confused about. Again, like yeah, the, it made me feel like these guys work for her. Right. That would seem to be the implication, right? Like they're yeah. scared of her. Which would make her, again, like she would be in a, a position of power. Yeah. But again, we get to her and it's just a love scene between her and Bond. Yeah. And he, her, like... He starts stripping just while they're talking. And he's just like, no, he, she she wants to see this. Like, that's essentially what this is. I think my favorite one-liner from Sean Connery in this, though, is when they do get in the room uh-huh. and throw her out the window. He goes, you caught me with more than my hands up. <laughs> more than my hands up. Yeah, that's a good bit. <laughs> who does she work for like is she is this is she in it on her yeah. own like i'm so confused and it's funny because my next note that i wrote here is this movie is so fucking confusing yeah it is <laughs> i mean it, there's too many there's too many layers right yeah. like there's too many characters who uh don't necessarily connect with one another or you're confused like you shouldn't be super confused about the relationships between the villains mm-hmm. um and or confused about which character is a villain and which one is, you know, uh, being lied to or led astray. Um, and it gets even more confusing because the next like 20 minutes of the movie is essentially just an ad for Circus Circus. <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm kind of starting to fade watching this movie. We're just doing an ad. We're just doing Visit Las Vegas. Like they uh, do get, the whole shot where they have the elephant walking behind Bond playing slots, playing slots, and I'm like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, like I don't need that in my Bond movie. No, <laughs> uh, we also get like, but I, I do like all this stuff where like Tiffany's being asked to go like play the play the squirt gun game, the water yeah. gun game. She says a wild line where the kid is just like, "You cheated," and she goes, "Blow up your pants," which I've never heard in my life. Yeah, me neither we get that whole sequence where there's like a guy trying to convince these kids that a woman is going to turn into an ape because she's been experimented on. And like, which is like a funny, like it's meant to be like this whole carnival atmosphere, but like we're spending a lot of time on stuff that does not factor into the plot. Yeah. And I kind of, I thought it was in bad taste with the whole like woman turning into a gorilla. It happens to be a thousand percent happens to be a, a black woman yeah and it's no just it's, like it's rough and yeah. it, and it's it apparently originally led to another sequence in which like the cia is trying to get through there and zamora you know the 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 woman is like you know i hey uh you can't go back through here and he goes get out of our way ma'am we're agents and she's like oh i'm looking for an agent <laughs> like, <laughs> so there was apparently like a whole comment like a comedy payoff to that and then they, the Felix like brushes past her and she's like, I guess they hated the act or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, give this lady a little bit more to do than yeah. that. If you're yeah. going to make us sit through this, give us the payoff. But yeah, it's so strange. But I mean, it, and I was again, like I didn't catch this till the second watch, but mm-hmm. I was confused the first time because these guys are following her. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? And they're with the, the CIA. They're keeping an eye right. on her. They don't want her to get away with the diamonds. But again, the first watch, I'm like, what? what's happening? Like, I don't right. understand why these guys are following her. Um, so, yeah, it just, again, it's another bad scene here. It's just a jokes. lot of, it, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like shoe leather for a scene that's should be straightforward, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, a lot, of, a lot of code names, code words that we don't, we haven't really been privy to. And then the next thing we really learn is that Pliny's been murdered because Mr. Went and Mr. Kid thought that she was Tiffany, and that's kind of what convinces Tiffany to finally help Bond. Yeah. And they see the casino manager, but again, another extra character, Bert Saxby, mm-hmm. uh, being handed the diamonds by another character. And we get like the exposition dump that Willard White, much like uh, Howard Hughes, this casino manager, has not been seen outside of his uh, tower in in decades or whatever. Um, You know, David Lopan. You mean the David Lopan that's chairman of the National Orient Bank and owns the Wing Kong Import-Export Trading Company, but who's so reclusive that no one's even laid eyes on this guy in years? Who the hell are you anyway? <laughs> the, the, the the head of the Wing Kong Exchange. Um, but it's that's essentially like what it is. And but yeah, no, they they um they they follow him, and then we get this really f- I love this sequence where Tiffany we just let Tiffany go Karen for like five minutes to like hold up the, the gas station. Yeah, while, he says, while to, he says to cut him off. Yeah. Yeah. Which and again, like this whole scene, he tells her to he tells her to cut them off. Uh-huh. She's go- bickering with the guy driving the van. You can see Bond get in the back of the van. The yeah. whole van shakes. It's like nobody would not notice this motherfucker no. getting in the. Not to mention the guy behind the van watching no, yeah, Bond no, get no in the back else, of the van. The gas station attendant doesn't even be like, "Hey, there's a guy in your car." Right. It's like that beginning scene of Urban Legend. It's like someone's in the back. Uh, yeah wouldn't that be a great way to start a horror movie there's someone in the back seat and james bond pops shut up (laughs) he just pops out and goes smack somebody (laughs) or chokes Um, him with a bikini top yeah that's the opening he doesn't have the axe he's just holding a random bikini top um (laughs) so Bond hitches a ride to this facility, this secret facility, and I like all of this stuff. He charms his way into getting a radiation shield, which I guess you can just put this little beeper in your pocket and that protects you from radiation. Um, but he like blows his cover. But I I love that he's po- so he's posing as this guy named Dr. Hergesheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was an inside joke because director Guy Hamilton, whenever he couldn't think of the name for something, he'd call it a Hergesheimer. So <laughs> any kind of like doohickey or like piece of equipment, he's like, oh, and then you put the Hergesheimer over here. And then like that was like his joke so that they they added that into the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, he again... Bond's not really finding out anything here. This scene is another example of Connery sleepwalking through this movie. They're doing some kind of bit. They're doing some kind of, you know, energy research. And he has to quickly escape because he blows his cover. And he runs into a room where they're faking the moon landing. Yeah. I I was like, 
Is this what I think it is? Yeah. <laughs> I love that they don't ever explain it, but it no, is so like, bizarre. Like now we're to ex- we're to believe that Spectre is like faking moon landings and shit. Yeah. And you know, this is again not so much even Connery, just with the yeah. character of Bond in this movie. Yeah. Is I've seen Bond charm and like um give this charismatic like he can get through anything. Yeah. He can he can he can uh, disguise himself. He can do anything he needs to do to find out what he needs to find out. Mm-hmm. But in this, like he seems so. It's again, me, Doctor Hergesheimer. He just seems like he's fumbling with what yeah. he's trying to get through. Some of I, it's the script, but some of it is Connery not really <laughs> give, adding more to it. It's Connery going, "I'm going to play it like I don't know what's going on because in the movie I don't know what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on." Like. <laughs> And then you get this whole chase sequence with this moon moon buggy, <laughs> moon buggy. <laughs> which so the they they had a moon buggy from NASA that they used for this. And the producers were like, that thing doesn't look silly enough. Let's add some wiggly arms to it. <laughs> so he's got this like, uh, like it's like riding through the desert with these like jangly arms. And my I was watching this with my folks and my dad goes, man, those those galaxy 500s are not doing so hot in this chase. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just, you've got all these cars chasing after it, flipping over because they can't handle the terrain. And then in we reality- got three wheelers going super slow while really goofy music plays in the background. This is not one of John Barry's best scores. Connery gets on that fucking, that three wheeler and it looks like he's on a kid's tricycle. Yeah. It's he's bad, like, dude. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. If you swapped Sean Connery with Robin Williams in this scene, like it's a it's a better movie immediately. Could you, could you imagine Robin Williams as Bond? <laughs> now it's all I want. Yeah. Oh, pussy galore. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of day. Uh, it's my terrible Robin Williams impression. R.I.P. Indeed. Um, and it leads to he I mean, he manages to make an escape. Tiffany picks him up in her Mustang and they drive off and she says, one of my other favorite lines in the movie. No regrets, but when you start stealing moon machines from Willard White, goodbye and good luck. All right, I want to talk about Willard White because we haven't really gotten into this yet. I mean, Jimmy we... Dean. Jimmy fucking Dean. That Jimmy Dean. Yes, listeners. Yeah, the guy who provides you sausage. The sausage is in man this movie. himself. <laughs> uh, I didn't. It didn't. I'm not familiar with him as a person. Uh-huh. So, so watching the movie, I, I didn't know that that was the real Jimmy Dean. <laughs> sure. Until I watched the behind the scenes and I was like, holy yeah. fuck. That's why this dude sounds like he sounds. Yeah, he broke in as a as a country music singer uh and and you know did some acting and stuff. But yeah, these days you say that name and you're you know, you're thinking of you're thinking of sausage. Yeah, you're thinking of breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. But uh <laughs> and he he doesn't show up in the movie until later, but we'll talk about him then. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's this whole plot with the white, uh Mr. White and yeah. um him controlling what's going on with this diamond smuggling things. And then mm-hmm. we get the traditional bond. Someone's answering the phone, talking, giving orders to the, to the henchmen. Right. There, therein lies. Oh, Blofeld's not really dead. Like you yeah. can figure that shit we know, out. You've seen know it six times now. already. Yeah. And, uh, but he's got this country ass accent. Yeah. Yep. Don't bother me with details, Bert. Just get me the diamond. The whole, voice changing aspect of this plot is just so silly to me it's yeah well yeah i mean we get this we get this uh crazy car chase that goes on a little too long but it's 
it's that has another fun. that has a very another very big continuity issue. <laughs> oh yeah, because the car goes up on its like left side. Yeah, goes and, through that alleyway and then sits back down on it, or comes back out the, out the other side on its right wheels. Right. Yeah. Something so they, like that. They they shot this on the real Las Vegas highways or yeah. roads and whatnot. And I'll have a second unit, and they will get the shot for you. A second unit films a stunt in June. The footage unfortunately includes Las Vegas street crowds, police, and other problems. A reshoot is scheduled. They redid it later. The American stuntmen unfortunately cannot perform the stunt. A French team is called in, but they do the stunt on the opposite set of wheels. But they did it the wrong way round. To this day, every time I see it, my heart goes in my mouth. Their fix for that is to show us a shot of them in the car, move the camera angle, and you're supposed to assume that the car went up on its other wheels in the alleyway. That's, yeah, insane. It's, it's like, th that right there just kind of shows you, like, I don't know if it's really, like, this is what we had to do to get the movie done, or it was just lazy. That's kind of what it feels like. It's like, man, wh what are we going to do? Let's hope no one notices. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I do appreciate that that leads to a really fun joke with the cop also trying to do it and immediately flipping over. That's yeah. very funny. But there, uh, there's a couple of times when you see cars doing things that Bond has done mm -hmm. and potentially they should be able to do the same thing and their cars just get completely wrecked. But he's just good at it. You know, yeah. like he knows how to how to do it. Like when they're um, going through that chase, he does a like a, a ramp. He goes yeah. on a ramp and jumps over a bunch of cars. Oh, right. And then yes. The cop decides he's going to do it, too. And he does it and just fucking flips over like hot rod. Um, The uh, speaking of the movie being kind of lazy in terms of explanations and, and, and cohesion. The next scene starts with Tiffany being like, what are we doing in this suite at the, you know, the, the white hotel or the white house. <laughs> and I literally wrote down great fucking question, Tiffany. I don't, I don't know. I guess Felix wants to keep an eye on you there. Um, giant, giant fucking hotel room. Huge, oh my God. Gorgeous. I want to stay there. Um, I also want like, I want all of her robes. She always looks so comfortable. <laughs> almost always looks comfortable in this movie. And I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bond Bond decides to head to the top to, to see Willard White. And we get that great grapple stunt. I really dig all the stuff with him, with him like hanging Again, onto the been elevator. Perfect, would have been a perfect role for Adam West. He's right. used to grappling yeah, just, up buildings. Da, da, da. He could have just did the Batman walk up the fucking tower. Holy sausages. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but he, this is our review. I mean, we, we, <laughs> he gets into the room and we, and we hear the unmistakable voice of Jimmy Dean. You got any personal business to take care of in there? You go right ahead. First, I suspect you're wearing a hog leg. Would you mind standing up and taking it off? And so then Bond goes in and finds himself staring down two Blofelds. Good evening, Mr. Bond. Blofeld. Uh, where we learn that one of these guys is real. One of them's uh, his double. And nobody else wants to be a double because they don't last very long. <laughs> Which is a really funny bit. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he, he goes through the trouble of explaining to Bond that you took out the other double that I had. Yeah. You know, I had three or two, now I only have one. Now I only have one, and I'm using this voice box to perfectly imitate Will and White. 
and blow but he he says then he says this really made me angry especially considering we just watched a movie where he developed a virus that was gonna wipe out half of the the world yeah uh, and and was hypnotizing women and like you know definitely mad scientist territory he says don't ask me to tell you how it works science was never my strong suit and i'm like <laughs> yes it fucking you you that's your thing you're the Lex Luthor of James Bond. That was Telly Savalas's strong that suit. Was, yeah, you, <laughs> Not Charles you've, Grace. Perhaps you've mistaken me for Donald Pleasance. <laughs> and, you know, we we touched on how many different Blofelds there are in the series that I, you know, I wasn't aware. I figured we would have more Donald Pleasance, and I figured Donald Pleasance would be my, like, top Blofeld. Right. Like, no, like, Telly Savalas has got it, man. Like, that yeah. dude's the best Blofeld, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, it's it's Savalas, Pleasance. Gray by default, I guess. Yeah, I mean, at this point, and then you—I mean—you don't really have anybody playing playing him in the other movies. He's just right. you know a, a nameless person. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, Telly Savalas and Charles Gray has nothing on him. Yeah, and whatsoever. I like Charles Gray as an actor. Like I, I, but I just, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what he's going for here. He feels, he feels as into this part as Connery is into playing Bond. Like it yeah. just feels like it's the wrong. It's the wrong pairing of actor and role. Well, you know, in a way, how on Her Majesty's Secret Service sort of, they were kind of like, we're going to stick to this source material. We're going to do it. Yeah. You know what? We're going to do it the way we think we need to do it and kind of forget that we've did some other things in these movies. Right. It almost feels like Diamonds Are Forever is like if you wouldn't have had the opening sequence, if you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had Blofeld in it, it's almost like. They're just kind of skipping over on Her Majesty's Secret Service because, as you it said sure earlier, yeah. they they don't even mention Tracy in this movie. Ever. Yeah, you you just see Bond going after Blofeld. And where uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service was extremely close to the novel, this one, uh, Tom Mankiewicz is like, I think maybe the novel takes up forty minutes of screen time in this movie. I mean, the 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 book uh, had completely different main villains. Um, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidder in the book and Tiffany cases as well. But like a big part of it was involved like uh, horse races that were being fixed by the villains, which that's later brought into that comes back to view for a kill. I think. Yes. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and See, I know a, a little bit of bond stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a whole uh, set piece where bond has to go to this um wild west this wild west ghost town called specterville and like it's i mean the book's also goofy as fuck but like yeah it it, it almost makes you think like if you if you want to get away from honor majesties just actually adapt the novel leave blofeld out of it yeah yeah i would i would have enjoyed it much more like yeah i totally agree Honestly, um, like they're looking for a new bond now. They need mm-hmm. some new screenwriters. Like Nathan, we should throw our our names in the, it. in the hat. Yeah, like, I think you should play Bond. Uh, <laughs> I'll play Money Penny. It would um, definitely be a new Bond that no one's ever seen before. <laughs> he's different. This Bond will fuck you up. Uh, he's got a beard and a belly. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe what kind of VHS tapes this Bond has. Um, but well, yeah, Bond. Bond also reminds us that Connery's Bond is a piece of shit because he kicks that cat and then shoots the double in the face with the with the, with the, the grappling gun. <laughs> and 
I do like this little exchange where Blofeld says, right idea, Mr. Bond. And James says, wrong pussy. Blofeld puts him in the elevator and he says, you press L, Mr. Bond. The word lobby begins with L. You know, it's it seems like, like, like why would you even need to say that? But it's with so, how it's so funny. But with how stupid Bond's been through this movie, it's almost yeah. like, yeah, I need to let him know that the L means lobby. Like Bond is just probably, not on his game in this movie. I don't know that you can dress yourself anymore, Diablo Seven. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's fun. Oh, also, I noticed this thing, or this thing was pointed out in uh, trivia online. But like, you can tell which one is the real Blofeld because he always says Bond, and the doubles always say 007. Oh. Which is kind of kind of fun little bit, but I man, so Mr. Kid and Mr. Went take Bond out into the desert for the most circuitous execution I've ever seen in a movie. Like, wouldn't and I? I guess that was our clue that these guys work for Blofeld. Yeah, I mean, I it, it should be obvious, but again, like. It's so weird that these guys, you never see Blofeld Mm -hmm. instructing them to do anything. But the point, yeah, and the idea is that they're going to drop him into this (laughs) tunnel in the landfill and just let, like, they hit him with knockout gas, throw him into this tunnel, and then they're going to just let them fill the tunnel in. And I'm like, wouldn't, if you have gas as step one, use poison gas. (laughs) Wouldn't that make sense as step one? This all comes back to Seth Green and Austin Powers. Why don't you just shoot him now? I mean, I'll go get a gun. We'll shoot him together. It'll be fun. Bang. Dead. Done. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But it does lead to a really funny bit where Bond, like, follows a rat to the exit. And then he goes, I was uh, was just out walking my rat and I seem to have lost my way. But this whole sequence reminds me of that bit in the labyrinth where, like, Bowie, like, throws the crystal ball out to the end of the hallway and then they're just like Hoggle screams like, oh, no, the cleaners <laughs> and this just, like contraption starts coming down the tunnel, except in, in that movie, Jennifer Connelly doesn't just jump up on top of it and kick it till it stops. Like every everything is really not a problem in this movie. No, I mean, we know Bond's going to make it out of the movie, Uh huh. but like it's still a little jarring when you see that he's not waking up when they start putting this this pipe in yeah. the ground and then that shot where everybody's driving away and it's all done you're like holy shit they actually but bond almost meets his end twice in this movie by yeah. mr kid and mr went but again like that's the thing that makes me think maybe they're not the greatest henchmen is because they well they've already brutally like like cold but cold-blooded murdered we've seen them murder multiple people easily a doctor a comedian like all these people but a they helicopter won't do it pilot. Bond. like yeah it's so yeah. weird um i i you know what i do love this bit where bond calls blofeld pretending to be bert saxby and the whole conversation is like well you know this james bond he's made a sterner stuff and i, I don't know he's pretty smart he's kind of a genius <laughs> i don't know how we're gonna stop him i'm really scared of him yeah and that's how he gets Willard White's location. Um, Which he's just been in his beach house. Yeah, just at his own home. No one ever checked there. Yeah, no one ever looked. And just and just on, in a padlocked room. Like, I mean, I guess the, the whole point is that, like, everyone, no one knew that he was missing until now. Like, because Blofeld's been running his operations as Willard White. Yeah, but, and I guess if you're basing it on Howard Hughes, like, 
Makes yeah, sense. That, that guy yeah. was living in a yeah, that guy was living in a penthouse apartment, collecting his pee in jars, and I mean, like, legitimately, like, yeah. and no one, no one was checking on him. Um, this is where we meet Bambi and Thumper. <laughs> I, I, I honestly like the scene. It's a good fight. It's fun. Um, it's a great fight. The girls are doing their best. Mm-hmm. Connery's not doing shit. Like, no, he's doing a couple of little judo throws. <laughs> judo chop. He's rolling out of the way a little bit, but yeah, it's not all of the energy in this fight is coming from them, from the ladies, which um, makes it even worse when they end up in the pool and he's just holding their heads underwater. It's like he straight up drowns two people in front of these eight CIA agents who do not give a shit. Well, <laughs> like, well, the, they don't. Well, at least no. You're Thump, right. They Thumper do doesn't out. drown. I don't know yeah. about the other one. They kind of leave that one up in the air. Uh, yeah. Bam, Bambi's still underwater. We don't know what right. happened to Bambi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Thumper lets say? them know where 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 White is. But yeah, upstairs. Yeah, and it doesn't. Again, like we just saw these girls hand Bond's ass to him, and he can just hold them underwater. Now, yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. I mean, look, this is fresh in our minds, but you know, it's kind of like. This 24-year-old kid uh, punching Michael Myers and holding him down while he takes his mask off. You're just a guy in a mask. <laughs> I want it. I need you to show. There, there should have been a scene where, like, when <laughs> there should have been a scene where Blofeld is just like, I want you to show me how to do it. Like, the Blofeld <laughs> doppelganger is like, show me how to pet the cat. I need you to show me. Show me how to stroke your pussy. <laughs> Man. Halloween ends now playing. Um yeah, I mean it's it's a good action sequence but you're right. It it kind of ends with all like Bond can't do anything until all of a sudden he's got it under control. Yeah. Um and, uh, there was one moment in that that had me a little taken aback cuz oh, yeah? Bambi does a split right after they threw James through a glass table. Uh-huh. And I'm, and I'm oh like, yeah. This she's doing all a split glass there, girl. Entirely too close to this glass that's on the floor. I'm mm-hmm. kind of worried for you. <laughs> like don't get a piece of They're that stuck somewhere. <laughs> barefoot, I think. Yeah. Just yeah. Doing their gymnastic fighting, flash dance fighting. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I mean now they now okay so they rescued Willard White Saxby's been killed. Tell him he's fired. Um, I don't know. Like I, when Jimmy Dean actually does show up in the movie, I think he's really fun in this. I like the first time I watched it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's a big performance, right? But on the rewatches of this, I was like, "I'm kind of digging this." He's yeah. he's kind of leaning into it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, again, it feels like what if we did an episode of Batman '66 where the special guest villain was Jimmy Dean? You know. <laughs> Right, and he takes people out by just shoving sausage in their orifices. Puts them into a meat grinder, <laughs> and you just became today's sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Dark Knight. Seems. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it seems fitting for a Batman villain, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Um, also fitting for a Batman villain is this little, uh, machine that Q makes that just makes you win slots every time. And and all of a sudden Tiffany's back in our lives. Like she disappears Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes, dude. She's, she's being, yeah. The idea is that she's been asked to stay at the hotel, but that means she's just not part of the plot for a while. Again, makes her uh, character so valueless in this. mm -hmm. Um, I do like that. She keeps calling him Mr. Q. I think that's very sweet. Um, but it, and there's something 
there's something fun to her, like sitting there going back and forth with Q as he's literally stealing money from. <laughs> from oh, he's not, but he's not taking any of his. He's money not taking any like, of it. Yeah, but I, yeah, I just. And then there's the thing earlier whenever they do the voice changer and uh-huh. James again James is giving Q shit for for whatever reason yeah and he's like oh you've really outdone yourself this time and he goes I made one of these for the kids at Christmas it's oh like, yeah my, my grandfather my grandson yeah yeah <laughs> um, that's so funny yeah but she sees a a, a familiar person walking yeah. through the casino with a kitty kitty how does she know to follow evil Mrs Doubtfire. <laughs> How the fuck does she know who Blofeld is? It's unclear why she, why she's like, I gotta go. Like she's gotta leave. And then she just gets in the one car that Blofeld's in, in full drag. And it's a, it's a weird bit that doesn't go anywhere. Like if you, if well, the, like, way I, the way I understood it was she noticed that that was Blofeld and followed yeah. him out of the casino. But I'm like, maybe I, I missed something in my I three watches, but cannot figure out what her motivation is for the last third of this movie, because it, it seems at some points she's working for Blofeld. Then she's working for bond. Then she's swapping tapes by accident. The whole stuff, everything with the tapes was confusing to me. What yeah. bond wanted her to do when he handed it to her. Well, again, when she, when another, she swaps it out, I'm like, she's doing it. Well, it's another level of stuff that you don't need. Like you said right. earlier, like these tapes, mean nothing to moving our plot forward like we are 20 minutes away from the end of the movie when we find out that blofeld has built a laser on a satellite that is going to uh help him uh, detonate the nuclear armaments on earth and the these are the coordinates are fed in through these tapes and i do really love this bit where they're trying to get in touch with different world leaders Laser, this laser detonates a missile at a Chinese base. Whatever's happening, Mr. Bond has started. Honestly, his delivery of that line is pretty, pretty genuine. Like, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I it, was... it reminded me, I, told, <laughs> I, I was talking to my dad about it, and I was like, it's like Southern Fried Ozymandias from Watchmen. He's like, I did it 23 <laughs> minutes ago. I kept waiting for the other shoe to fall with his yeah. character, though, because sure, you know, he says, "I'll take it in the John." And they get into his office, <laughs> yeah. And I, w- I kept waiting on him to go in, come back out, and like, he's Blofeld. Like he they changed his, his face, yeah. like yeah, some kind of traditional Bond shit like that. But that never happened. Uh, yeah, like I, I like I could have lived with that a little more than what does actually happen in this movie. Honestly, <laughs> I do think these bits here though are pretty good. Like that he's he's detonating these these missiles around the world. Soldiers are like getting set on fire. Yeah. Uh, there's a Soviet submarine that explodes and Blofeld reveals that his plan is to sell nuclear supremacy to the highest bidder. Uh and Washington is next for the attack. Again, more Austin Powers stuff here. Sure. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I, but I do like how unbothered he is like through all of this. Uh, yeah. Like he's, he's very calm and I can't tell if that's just the part that has it's written. Like there's not a whole lot to it or if it's Charles Gray, like bringing that kind of coolness to it. But yeah. I like him in the last little bit of this movie, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of where it just sort of, 
devolves into what we've seen from other James Bond finales, right? And it becomes the end of Goldfinger again. Like, yeah, or, I mean, it, well, minus there are no like dudes dropping down. It's just these helicopters strafing this oil rig over and over again. Yeah. Uh, while Bond kind of runs around through. They put him in a cell that has an open bottom so he can easily escape. Well, you're going to put him in a cell with one inept guard and they'll escape. God, you do this every time. I do want to talk about the the oil rig sequence though, because yeah. there was a major faux pas in shooting oh? this sequence. I'm I don't know about this, I don't think. Guy decided to have one last dry run through just to make sure everything was fine before we shot. And the assistant director misunderstood. And when Guy yelled action for the run through, explosions started happening all over the place. And thank God, a head helicopter pilot, a wonderful man named Jim Gavin, he went, holy Jesus, what's happening down there? And he started rolling the cameras. And a lot of the explosions from the air were off that take. Just like Danny McBride and Tropic Thunder. Mother Nature just pissed her pants, dude! Big ass titties. <laughs> Guy stood on that oil rig and he was apoplectic but he was so calm and that was guy i mean guy never raised his voice and the assistant director said i'm so sorry guy and guy said i'll handle it and he said guy i'll get the people he said i'll handle it he said guy i don't think you understand the pressure on the thing of someone being an assistant director he said I was the assistant director on the African Queen. I was the assistant director on the whatever he started doing with. He said, and I'll handle it. Well, that explains some of the, there's some unexplained explosions there too. Like there is a, my favorite shot, there is a dude who gets shot by a helicopter and falls over a banister and uh -huh. he lands and there's an explosion. And I was like, was that guy full of gasoline or did I miss him like pulling the pin on a grenade or something? I rewatched it like <laughs> twice and it made me laugh. This whole finale is just, even the way Blofeld goes out is a joke, right? Like he's, Dude. he's getting in this little submarine. Although I do love, so he's got this scientist Metz who's working for him. Uh, and much like the scientist in previous movies, he suddenly had a change of heart. Uh, and he says, we should surrender. And Blofeld says, no, no, no. And then he says, prep my mini sub, like very quietly. And this <laughs> just sort of lets himself out. But yeah, Bond hijacks the crane that the sub is in and just smacks it into the control room to stop the satellite. Just starts playing pinball with this thing. Like, <laughs> Right. I do like the little <laughs> bit where Tiffany grabs a, a machine gun and fires it into the air and it knocks her off the boat <laughs> yeah. on the recoil. <laughs> Again, a character that does she know what's happening or not? Like, right. I feel like her character would know how to do something, not Anything. just be a bumbling idiot while the finale is going on. Right. It's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, and did you think for like half a second we were going to get yet another ending with Bond and the girl in a raft? It crossed my mind. <laughs> I, I was like, here we go again. No, it. But yeah. what's funny about this is this is usually where our Bond movie will end. But yeah. we yeah. haven't dealt with Mr. Kidd or Mr. Went. Like, yeah, who I guess are now free agents but still want to kill James Bond? Or I, is the implication that Blofeld's still out there and he sent them to do it? See, that's the the other problem I have with this finale. Again, like, all this shit happens with this, the mini sub with Blofeld, yeah. but you never get a definitive, like, he died in that. Yeah. No, it's it's an afterthought almost. It feels like 
again, like it was a mistake to bring Blofeld back because there's so much built up to this uh, confrontation. And I mean, the the original plan was for him to be the villain of the next one as well. Um, but they they because of the ongoing uh, rights battle with Kevin McClory over Thunderball, uh, they they backed off the character and Spectre wow. for, for the next film. But yeah, we are left with this uh, fight on the cruise ship with Mr. Went and Mr. Kid, which I think is very fun. Uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Went going over the uh, the the menu for the evening, uh, which ends with the Bomba Surprise, <laughs> which is uh, just a bomb. And she's like, "Oh, what it's what's in it?" And he goes, "That would spoil the surprise, madam." <laughs> I, I find. I find this little tacked on ending with them way more satisfactory than anything on the oil rig. Like I agree. Yeah. um, And and it's a fun, I mean, it's a fun bit. Like bond blows them up, (laughs) throws them overboard. Like it's a good, it's a good, Oh, I mean, Mr. Kid. I love the fire stunt with him on fire. Yeah. Like they, uh, they built as like asbestos hand molds that he put on over him. And uh, according to, uh, uh, according to Potter Smith, like on set, Jill St. John suddenly bolted upright when she saw what the stunt was and said, is he getting hazard pay for this? Like, like <laughs> so she was very much like Tiffany case in real life, like, which I love. Um, but of yeah. course we have to, we have to end the entire debacle on a terrible James Bond one liner. Oh yeah. What's the, what's the joke again? Well, he's certainly left with his tails between his legs. The entire shot of him flipping him over the side of the boat and everything, yeah. it's all just... It's so goofy. Uh, yeah, like, I, I i prefer this over the, the oil rig stuff, but still, like, it's like, come on. I don't so, need this last joke. It's kind of silly. Yeah. But anyway. I, and I, I gotta say, like, the original ending was a lot more elaborate. The... Uh, so so Blofeld was going to try was was going to escape in his sub and Bond was going to hang on to a weather balloon and follow him in the sky. And they were going to both end up in this fight uh, at the salt mines where <laughs> Bond throws Blofeld <laughs> spoilers for Halloween ends, throws Blofeld into like a salt granulator where he would be like ground up and killed for good. And Bond was going to say, Bond was going to say, oh, he's the real salt of the earth or something like that. <laughs> then the Mr. Kit and Mr. Went fight happens. And the the conclusion of that was, um, so they're, they were going to have rigged up this Home Alone style contraption where when Bond came in to, to say hi to, to, to say hi to Tiffany, the boiling water was or boiling oil was going to pour on them and kill them. <laughs> and instead bond goes in through the window, pours the boiling oil thrown, uh, throws the boiling oil on Mr. Went. And then Mr. Went is like stabbed on an ice sculpture in the hallway. <laughs> like there was going to be like this very over the top death scene for him. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm good with the way they went with it. I could have done without yeah. the joke, but I'm, I'm good with the way they went out. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, at the end of Diamonds Are Forever, I'm yeah, I'm wishing it was a a little bit better of a movie. I agree. I mean, um, this is one that I, I, I we talk we talk. I think I, I feel like I teed this one up a lot in our earlier episodes because when I think about this movie, all the stuff I think about is Mr. Went and Mr. Kid, mm-hmm. and I think about the stuff with Jimmy Dean and Bar- and Bambi and Thumper, 
I'm I'm only thinking of the highlights and the camp and the silliness. And yeah. I forget that the plot is kind of mush mm-hmm. and that Connery's not into it. Um, and and uh yeah, I this is one that I still return to uh fairly often, but it does it never sticks with me, I guess. Cause I like legitimately today I had to rewatch the finale to make sense of some of my notes and then i still asked you what the last line of the movie was <laughs> <laughs> well that's where i'll also say the reason i watched it three times is yeah. because i couldn't fucking remember what it wasn't happened. sticking with you like, yeah it just it's one of those that's like oh i've i've seen that bond movie yeah uh, next one yeah you know sure so and it's you know, a lot of it i think is due to the fact that we were trying to move on from Connery. We didn't succeed with that in whatever way. And now we've got Connery back in the role and it just, we, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm ready to move on from Connery at this point. And I guess I'm, I'm lucky that now we are moving away from Connery, at least we're going into the movies. uh, Yeah. We're going into the more era uh, at uh, at long last. Um, So the plan is right. We're going to have a little, interstitial episode after this we're gonna take a little break we're not gonna we're not gonna come back next week or we're not gonna come back next month with live and let die we're Mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna do a little intermittent episode um i think we're gonna talk about our rankings for the sean connery movies yeah and Um, our hopes for the future and maybe discuss another little film that we we enjoy quite a bit and we may not get in a real in-depth conversation about this movie but we're gonna watch another movie for that episode Mm -hmm. and we'll leave you guys in suspense for that a little bit but yeah it kind of has to do with bond Mm -hmm. and it's kind of something we found on the internet that sparked our curiosity so we're gonna totally Watch the movie, talk about it a little bit, along with mm-hmm. our rankings of the Connery movies. Yeah. And so, but I'm we'll looking be back, forward to that. Sort we'll of, be back sort next month with that one. Uh-huh. Um, Nathan, before we, uh, before we get out of here. Yeah. What you got going on? What do you want to plug? Oh, uh, so this will be out on the 7th, correct? November, yep. November 7th? Okay. So, uh, yeah, AIPT Comics podcast. We've got some really fun stuff coming up. We've done a lot of really great interviews recently. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and uh, we are going to be celebrating that with uh, hopefully a couple of Spider-Man-esque, uh, Spider-Man-involved guests. We're, we're working on the details right now, but I am, I'm really excited for that because I'm me and uh, my co-host Dave were big Spider-Man fans. And uh, we on Oh, That's a Scary Movie, we've just wrapped up our nostalgic spooky season offerings. <laughs> we went through uh, a lot of like movies that we watched as kids that uh, kind of were gateway horror for us. Uh, moving into November, uh, we've got some really fun stuff planned for the holidays. We're going uh, bi-weekly now uh, for the show because we're okay. both super busy and <laughs> uh, that'll give us an opportunity to sort of bank up some episodes and deliver them to uh, uh, our, you know, our usual standards of quality and still not, uh, <laughs> you know, go completely cuckoo bananas uh, on the Silver Linings playlist. Uh, let me look up the schedule for that real quick. Doot, doot, doot. Just got through doing your spooky season stuff with that. Yeah, Silver Linings Playlist, we just wrapped up Spooky Season, uh, covered all horror movies for the month of November, and we're still kind of keeping with it, or for the month of October, rather, and we're still kind of keeping with it going into 
November, uh, the day this episode drops, we will be putting out our episode on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that's that's going to be a really fun one. We had our, our friend John Hauser on to talk about uh, a movie that uh, is so close to being good and has a lot of weird, a lot of weird stuff going on on the production side of things. But uh, it's a it's a fun chat. And uh, it, since we've talked about it a, a ton uh, in this episode, uh, surprisingly, we just dropped our episode on Halloween ends last week. Um, and yeah, uh, that's about. Oh, and I, I was just uh, recently on Not a Bomb podcast talking about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, uh, which uh, which is a lot of fun. A weird, very strange movie. <laughs> yeah, and me and you share a liking to that movie where a lot of people don't for like sure. it so much. Yeah, I've got a soft spot <laughs> for it. It's a it's a movie that's definitely compromised by the studio, and uh, it's it's a weird time, but I, it's got. It has maybe the best joke in the whole series in a, a scene involving a speak and spell. So <laughs> I, I have a soft spot for that one as well. All right. Well, I mean, VHS files, we've got, yeah. uh, we, we just finished up spooky season here. We just dropped yeah. our uh, trick or treat episode on Halloween. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. We, gush over trick-or-treat and how how great movie why it's not a halloween classic in a lot of people's eyes another but, movie um, that was totally screwed over by its studio oh uh, big time we go over that, that I, in detail <laughs> i never saw until you recommended it to me and it's now like one of my faves oh it's it's a great halloween flick so if you haven't totally. checked that episode or that movie out go check it out yeah for sure and uh, we will be back next month with our little rankings episode and um, mm-hmm. talking about a specific movie that might tie into the Bond universe. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But uh, until next month, Nathan. Stay shaken. Never stirred. <laughs> <laughs>